this Monday evening. Uh, with me tonight, we have a guest, but we also have my co-host, as always, Peter Ray Allison. Good evening, everyone. And our guest tonight, David J. Court. Welcome, sir. I'm happy to. I'm glad you'd have me. <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> so, David, who are you? What do you do? What's your thing? Okay, I am David J. Court. I am an uh, occasional cosplayer, occasional journalist, uh, occasional programmer, mostly known for my writing these days. I've been writing sci-fi and horror for about the past eight years across a variety of media. So I've had a short film made, I've had a couple of books published and uh, short stories in various places and some comics work as well. Ooh, lots to go on there. Okay, so t- t- tell us about the short film then. <laughs> Okay, the short film is that there is a comics company called T-Pub who do yeah. uh, the Twisted Dark series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did a uh, Twisted Sci-Fi, which I got I got to, got familiar with Neil Gibson, the guy in charge. Yep. Um, and uh, I had two of my stories adapted for the comic. And then, sure enough, there was a prototype made of my film, Battlesuit, which is available on YouTube, made, for, made by a guy called Hasraf Dalal for Hasfilm for Razer, the video games company. Oh. But unfortunately, it never made it to a full product. So there's, there's kind of a 15-minute prototype, but it never got, never got fully finished. Oh, but, got, but it still looks great, though. There's a full soundtrack for it, and it, lo- it, it, lo- it looks amazing. It was really nice to see someone I'd written actually appearing on screen. Really, that's really on good. YouTube. We can watch that on YouTube. It is, yeah. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's about 12, 13 minutes. I'm just looking for battle suit. <laughs> nice. Right. Cool. Sounds good. I mean, like, when you have something like that, I'm not just a writer, but I have had a film made of my work. That gives you kind of a bit of credence, doesn't it? It's it, it quite amazing. And I, I really like the fact that now, because I insist I always have to write to music, and now I can listen, I can write to the Spotify soundtrack of my film. <laughs> yeah, when you've when you got, you got, like, your own soundtrack, that's, you know, own film soundtrack, literally. You know, that's something you can, you know, put a mark of accolade, as it were. So initially, it was quite upsetting that it was never going to make it to actually a finished product. But yeah. it's it, it's it's pretty polished as it is. It just needs it just needed a bit of a a lick of paint, I think. But it's still it's still perfectly watchable, and it's very much that what is on screen is what I wrote, which is nice. Yeah, and also, I mean, like, uh, so how did that come out? I mean, like, are you were you writing first as an author, or was it as a journalist, or was it a bit of both? Oh, how does it get started with writing? Uh, yeah. I was, uh, this is, I'm betraying my age here, so this back. This is back in the late 80s with Vampire the Masquerade. I ended up, I've, I've always been, I've always preferred refereeing and storytelling to actually playing role-playing games. And I ended up writing so much background material, including whole short stories for some things. And I thought maybe something, someone might actually want to write this. And it took a good few years of uh, plowing away at stuff, but I had I built up quite a reasonable back catalogue there was a defunct website, which is somewhere you can, which is somewhere authors could put their work and basically just edit each other's stuff and comment on it. And a lot of my stuff went down really well, so I had enough work to self-publish my first collection. And based on that, uh, a, a small press publisher from Texas got interested and published my my next one. Nice. Okay. So have you kind of gone gone to the self-publishing route, or are you always kind of gone through the indie publishing scene? I started with self-publishing because I wasn't brave enough to approach anyone. It was an easy, it was an easy way of doing it. I've always had a background of graphic design and and formatting and the like because of the the nature of my work. So it seemed like a, 
it was like it was almost like a taster like let's get 12 stories in a book put them out there and just see how it goes down but that gave me gave the response i got from that gave me the courage to start submitting stuff to to, to proper publishers and and elsewhere around the world yeah what was the reaction by the you know publishers when you said oh well i've already published this like independently what was it were they pleased were there some ret- reticence Small press, there's there, there isn't the, the, there isn't the stigma associated with small press because it's only a step above. I'm going to disparage a number of small press publishers. <laughs> it could be argued that some of them are only a step above self-publishing anyway. Right. So there was never there was never really a problem with that. It all, I, I, no one ever remarked on it. Yeah, I mean, like there's some like small press out there that you know, started literally in the back of their home. Yeah, and like I think back to Fox Spirit Books. And um, their first book had like authors like Agent Tchaikovsky involved, and so like, so like that gave them like immediately some recognition as a as a uh, leapfrog. I think I, I think I, I think there may have been a stigma once upon a time, but I think that's kind of leaving now. I've, I've, I haven't noticed as much prevalence of that in the, the industry in the last five six years or so. There's, there doesn't seem to be that stigma associated anymore. Yeah. So what what have what have you, what all have you written? Um, what's your most recent uh, piece? The most recent piece is uh, I've my my last collection, which is uh, this is the plug now, which is uh, Contents Man Settle, which again was a is a collection of all of the various stories I've had published elsewhere. Once once the rights revert to me, it's like a nice way of sticking them all together in a book and. And my, my publisher will happily print those, providing they've all legally gone out of print elsewhere. So, it's <laughs> nice. so I, I, I have a, a spreadsheet which tells me, tells me the dates whenever ever the rights revert to me. So it's like, right, that's one that's one for the next section. So as long as I keep churning stuff out, then there's a, then there's enough to put there. Are you ever tempted to kind of um, when you when the rights revert back to you, it's just like this? Oh my god, I edit this one a bit more, polish it a bit more. I all of the stuff that I've had printed outside of myself published stuff has gone through proper uh, proper editors yeah. anyway. I am on occasion tempted to revisit the first book, which looking back on it now, I mean it's it's a good seven eight years old now, and I can see the mistakes. Uh, well, well, to be to be fair, you notice the mistakes the second anything you pick up anything in the printed paper, don't you? My edit, ed, editors and writers miss it until you have the first printed copy that's available for sale, and then you know it's all the error straight away. Or, you, but, or when you hit send on an email. Yeah, well, when you hit send <laughs> on an email, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I, I'm kind of tempted to go back to that first book and get get my editor to give it a proper polish, but but we'll see. Probably stories people have already read, so I, I don't know. Maybe it's it, it's something I might do when the when when time allows. I think. Um, you say an editor in singular. Do you have like an established editor that you go to now? Well, I now have. I'm now. I've moved away from the Texan publishing and I'm now with a small press in Walsall called Badizo Books, which is a, a group of great friends. So now I have a a great editor in the form of uh, a, a great writer herself called Emma Dehaney. But for and I've all, but I picked up a good relationship along the way with uh, another guy called Lance Fling, who's an editor and poet. And we've agreed that I'll critique his stuff and edit his work in response for which he, he will he will edit mine. So we've got quite a good reciprocal relationship there. But that's that's a friendship based on the the first publisher, Stitch Smile, the tech the Texan lot. 
Right, yeah. So you can, so it's kind of almost like a um, symbiotic relationship. You edit yep. his, he edit yours. Yeah, that's nice. But, I was going to say, um, we ask every a lot of the writers who sort of come come on the podcast um, how they're, you know, how they keep the the proverbial um, juices flowing. So, do you are you a sort of person who who plans everything out, or are you very much somebody who just is in the moment and writes when it's sort of in their head? I am very much a pantser. The seat of the pants. I, I, I'll admit, I've I've got a novel that is in the editing stage and that after trying to pants that for about six months, I realized that no, if I'm going to write more than something more than about 10,000 words in length, I am going to have to have a proper balanced approach for this. But on the whole, I will, I, I will think sometimes even the title or sometimes just the end comes to me first and I will literally make it up as I'm going along, which unfortunately is just, I'm ruining that because I came up with a great idea for an anthology I'm writing for now. And I'm just going to start it again because I cannot take it any further. So that doesn't always work. I, I waste a lot of time doing that. Is that is it? Does it work? Obviously, for short stories and things like that, it's easier because there's not a lot of sort of cohesion between them. Whereas if you're writing something longer, you need to sort of remember what you've said previously and um, yeah, backward. Yeah, as I've found with the novel, yeah, a lot. Like I said, I've I've made. I've now been working on it for four years. I've started. I'd started it three or four times over the course of about a year and a half until I realised that no, this is. I'm going to have to sit down and I'm a programmer for a living. So I, 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 I should be used to structured code and my, my maybe I got into writing because it's an effort to be creative when my, my, my job doesn't really allow for a great deal of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the novel, yeah, it, it needed, a, it needed a structured approach. And as soon as I'd sat down and had worked out all the chapters and the ebb and flow and the beats I had to hit, where I've got literally every step of it, then with a structure in place, a skeleton, then I, I found the writing process an incredible amount easier. I find it interesting that you said, like, because your structure in your day job, you kind of shy away from it in in your in your um, spare like, downtime. Because in in my day job, you know, I cover a lot of cybersecurity regulation, best practices, guidelines. So when I'm kind of you know just being myself and doing my own thing, I kind of don't want to, you know, obey the rules and just want to yeah, take an axe, take an axe exactly. to it. Yeah, exactly. If someone coded the way I write, I'd sack them. <laughs> I genuinely would. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of coding do you do? Uh, I uh, Oracle, uh, Oracle forms and reports, oh, okay. works management systems for the utility sector. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Not particularly exciting <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm like uh i'm i went from like fraud like i did, I did fraud investigation and because i was good at spreadsheets and stuff and i knew some vba it sort of moved me into this sort of kind of tech side of things so i'm doing like infopath stuff and and dabbling and sequel and things like that and it's just like completely as far away from what i used to do as you can and stuff so it's all about power apps and power bi and all these new fangled uh, Microsoft programs at the minute and AI and automatic readers and stuff like that. Whereas, well, Oracle, let's face it, Oracle Forms Reports is quite old tech now. It's just like the big companies all still use it and they're all going to be stuck with using it forever. So I think... <laughs> well, man, it's, it's like we're trying to sort of get, like in, in our company, we're trying to sort of modernize. They've got some like really old school case management systems that are like proper, like chunky and just really 
not fit for purpose. But because obviously changing these things takes a lot of time and money, they're all a bit iffy about it and stuff. But a lot of it is path of least resistance, I think. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it works. Yeah, yeah. It works yeah, pretty much. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you find that, especially like sort of insurance companies and stuff. For there, like I used to work for a big insurance company, and uh, you know, they were very much a case of if it isn't broken, don't fix it. And they literally yeah. just carried on until something died, and then went, "All right, it's, it's not even. It's not even don't fix it. Sometimes it's just don't touch it. Don't yeah. Go near it. <laughs> yeah. I was amazed to find recently. Uh, a few years ago that they're still using Windows XP for checkout machines. Really? Well, it works, doesn't it? I guess. Exactly. It, it, it's like if, 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 if yeah. your stuff isn't changing anymore. Somebody was saying there's like some, where was what that there's a government agency that still uses like XP and stuff like that for their computers yeah. and things and like just yep. because. It works and it would be massive pain to upgrade everything to Windows 11 yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just... I suppose if you're not you're not open to the world, there's no problems. If you're never changing, then it's going to carry on working. I mean, the, the fact that Microsoft have stopped supporting it a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, but these are machines that are used for you know managing financial transactions over the internet, which doesn't scare me in the slightest. No, that is kind of worrying, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but but because it would mean changing every checkout machine to a new version. Which would be a bit of a pain by all accounts. Yeah, but, there, are, there are a lot of them. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, we deviated quite. Some, <laughs> yeah, quite a different sort of geek pride there, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I mean, obviously, you've been writing since the nineties. Would it be fair to say or? Um, writing for the outside world only the last ten years, but yeah, writing role playing <laughs> role playing uh, scenarios and. <laughs> associated flavor text and stories for them yeah in in the past 10 years how have you seen the kind of the writing industry change at all it's it's open to everyone now isn't it and that's that's as equally a good thing as it's a bad thing it's it's i found it uh for my my the brief the brief experiences i'd had with the writing industry before that it was it's a, it's a lot easier to get your stuff out into the world now, but it's a lot it's a lot harder to get noticed. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there now, and it's, and the industry has became increasingly more about uh, self promotion. I mean, even even publishers will only promote you so far these days. It's, it always seems to be about doing it itself and pushing yourself. To you which think- social media has made easier, but it's again it, it's it's sometimes hard to to, to stand out. Is do you think that it's it's harder because there's it's the market's saturated. There's just so yeah. much competition. Exa- exactly that. Yes. Yeah. It, it's like it's similar because like obviously we were all at UK Games Expo uh, at the weekend, and um, the it's it, it's it's a good thing and a bad thing because you've got literally all these new games that are are coming out, and just like you've got more choice than you've ever had. But because there's so much choice, it's kind of like. A bad thing and then certain games just can't stand out which means they don't get a chance which means you're not really getting support for them and you know they die by the wayside there's so many games that i've bought in the past and they just don't do anything with them anymore and stuff and uh, oh don't, don't get me started on the shelf of shame <laughs> <laughs> i had to sell all this stuff recently because i'm just like there's too much here and i am not playing kickstarter is just unfortunately a a bad thing for me. I need to stay away from it because it's just. Uh, we 
we had the rule in this house of one game in, one game out, and I think that was broken within about two months of making the rule. <laughs> yeah. I, I was very proud of myself because I didn't buy any games and stuff when I was at UK Games Expo. I was like, yeah, last time I was there with Pete, I brought a suitcase with me just for <laughs> all the stuff I bought. But this time around, I didn't buy any games and stuff. I was just like, I was very good. I was just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna, <laughs> sort of going to do this to myself. Actually, I think the last time you were there, I didn't buy anything. Yeah. I didn't buy anything, but you did. Now it's you didn't buy anything, but I did this time. I just yeah. bought a stack of RPGs. <laughs> re- re- restraint for me was buying two things. I, I, I treated myself to two games. What it was bad though, because it's like you know, um, it, it was just like I saw people like literally walking out with with like trolleys and yeah it was massive... like on the train on the way back to coventry from birmingham yeah, yeah there's there were massive feet taken up by games yeah just loads of people just going in like with and all kind of shapes and sizes of people and stuff like people yeah, i just wouldn't expect maybe to be there they're all there massive bags full of games and things like that just off taking themselves off to buy games and stuff and i was just like Oh, you're just—it's one of my favorite. Uh, like, um, hopefully, the we're, we're gonna—we did a sort of kind of live podcast when we were there, sort of uh, to add on to some of the interviews and stuff we did. Yeah, I'm looking uh, forward to seeing some of that. Yeah, um, yeah, because there's, so, there's some really good interviews. Um, I just have so many of them. I think we overdid it. I think we did four in the first day, and we did about six on the second, I think, and then we did the podcast. So I've got a lot of editing to do this week. Um, but um, I was really sorry after you. Sorry, no, but it was just like um. Oh God, I can't even remember what I was saying now. What was that? Hey, what was I about to say? Um, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite expos, uh, and it's just because it's you know it's not like um, like one of the sort of generic sort of Comic Con ones where you you know it, it's they're dime a dozen. They're all very much the sort of very similar, same sort of stalls. You know, yeah. it's every time you go to UK Games Expo, there's something different. You know, you got some of the yeah. same. Yeah companies and stuff there but it's always something different it's always changing and stuff and it's like because it's it's used to develop new games and you know sell you know try and uh bring out new stuff it's just you know i love it i think you know it's 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 really good you know i just i i i I massively enjoy it from my early days going around in my dread costume at the the days of the metropole so back when it started when i was cosplaying with the galactic knights i always remember that the the audience was solely men between about between about 30 and 50 that was the only <laughs> people that went to games expo and it was really refreshing being in the queue on friday and seeing just literally every range every, every age represented yeah yeah there brilliant. was there was all kinds you know just uh, you know loads of women and stuff as well which was great to see and just the whole sort of um you know kids uh just loving it you know i think it's a really it was a really good sort of family environment as well and stuff because there's something you can distract your kids with because there's lots of games yeah. and stuff for them to play and stuff so it's great for families i think um so so much content there absolutely so much yeah content. so much stuff um the only thing that was sort of irking me something i was carrying a lot of heavy camera equipment and it was young families running around in front of me and not meandering in front of me and oh, yeah. trying to get past them with this equipment yeah won't be, t- won't be trying to walk past any of the stalls yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a wall like, of browsers there yeah yeah just but it's just uh uh, and then people just aimlessly because we were doing when we were doing our podcast at the end and stuff, and it was just like people's walking through shots, like literally just saying, "Oh, there's people standing here talking to camera. What should we do? Walk right in front of the camera." And you're just like, "Ugh, what are you doing?" <laughs> Although to be fair, we had our first audience at the UK Games Expo. 
Oh, right. Yeah, the guy afterwards. The guy came up to us afterwards and asked who we were and what we were doing. Isn't yeah, that? he sat there and watched us. <laughs> like a live audience. We were going to determine the date. It was like the guys from uh, formerly uh, Beast of War who are now on the tabletop, I think they're called. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they had their own big, massive booth there and stuff. Northern Irish fellows as well. Uh, but they were, all, they were all, they're all massive sort of kind of area and stuff with the cameras and things like that. I was like, one day, Pete. One day. <laughs> maybe when we win the lottery which i didn't at the weekend but you know one of these days just seems to be a lot of interest in the shut up and sit down guys yeah. oh yeah it's shut up and sit down really really good i really enjoy their content um really good reviews don't agree with everything they say um, that's the beauty of it though i think uh, yeah. my uh, my wife isn't a board gamer she's kind of she's kind of reluctantly into into the odd thing that i, I, I place down on the table she but she's by no means a hardcore board gamer and we we met the shut up and sit guy shut up and sit down guys last uh, the last games expo, and they were, we were just chatting and she asked what Tara played, and she was honest with you. She said, "I don't play board games, but I love your podcast." And they were like, "That's they, they said we can't want a better audience than that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really enjoyable. Like, um, they're just. The reviews are very interesting. Uh, what's the main guy? I can't remember his name. The main Quint. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really he's he's quite funny and stuff, and he's quite sort of. The way he sort of describes things, you know, it's very poetic, you know, in a certain way and stuff, and it's, he, do, he does it really well. So, um, yeah, I, there's, there's a few games that I sort of kind of, like Twilight Imperium and stuff, you know, is one of them that I sort of kind of went, yeah, okay, they like that, I'll give that a whirl. Um, but, yeah. Well, that was one of the reasons I go to board games. It's time so well, is every year I go to a friend's house in Manchester, we agree to meet up and do nothing but play board games from the Friday till the Sunday. So that's this coming week now. So we'll pick uh, up new stuff for that. So in answer to your question, Pete, I picked up Viticulture, the Stone Mayor Games one. Oh yeah. Which I've been, I like. I love everything that Stone Mayor pump out. So I'm happy with that. And Burgle Brothers two because we loved Burgle Brothers one. So. What, the okay. hell's, what the hell's that? What's that? It is uh, the first. It's a cooperative game. It's basically. Uh, it's a heist game where you all play various criminals trying to break into, get to a safe and get away uh, while there are board game control guards hunting you down and various things go wrong during the course of the game and alarms are sounded. And yeah, it's, it's just a really tense, it's, it, it's like a puzzle effectively. Okay. When you approach it like a puzzle, it works really well. But it, but it, it's a company called Fowers Games who have got this really nice look and feel. They've got like a uniform look and feel to all of their board games. So it, they almost feel like they're all set in the same kind of 1950s, 1960s Americana universe. Okay. So Burger Brothers 2 is uh, Burger Brothers blown up, uh, set in a casino. So you play casino staff having to equally work on doing your jobs while trying to crack the safe and get away with various treasures from the from the hidden room. Is that sort of card based, or how does that work? Uh, no, there's a board. Uh, there's a board, but the there's uh, there's cards to determine the movement of the guards. So you so you like get a rough idea of where they're going to go, but you're only you're only one step ahead, not two steps ahead. So it's trying to predict the path of where the guards are going to go based on what cards have already been pulled out. I'm I find myself I'm very much drawn to games, basically, you know, my sort of kind of thing and stuff. So if it's got pretty miniatures and lots of dice and the rules are kind of complicated like <laughs> i generally gravitate towards it and stuff but part of me kind of wishes i was a bit more into sort of kind of more simple game thing is like every 
I like. I always like. You, you probably you see behind me, or they're all sort of kind of big, sort of massive games that sort of probably yeah, take yeah. days to play and things like that. I I I kind of like those games, lots of miniatures and things like that. But some of my favorite games are the simple ones, like the Resistance. I love that game yeah, so much. Great, yeah, so much. Like, with a bunch of people, especially if you've had a few drinks, that is an amazing game. Um, Exploding Kittens. <laughs> it's just a quality sort of kind of like cutesy little game. Uh, and there's lots of little ones um, that... Skull is a good one. Have you played Skull? No, I don't think I have, actually. That's a game you could play with beer mats, but it's nice buying the proper version because it's like really nice printed uh, printed little circular cards. It's a really easy bluffing card game. Okay. But it but it scales as equally well between two players and eight players. It's absolutely okay. brilliant. And it fits in a pocket so you can take it to the pub as well. Really, really good game. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's one of these board game weekends I went to. We, I, I took, I took like Nemesis and Root and all this big box stuff, and we ended up playing Flam Rouge and Skull nearly all weekend. Oh yeah, I, I, I did that. I went to, um, I went to a friend's house, uh, and I brought like, I brought like, Talisman plus all the expansions and like, uh, and Descent with all the expansions and all these massive games and stuff like that. And I think we played one briefly, and, and they went, yeah, it was alright. And then we just played they because they were really into sort of kind of small games, which were enjoyable. It's just they're not the sort of ones that I would. I would play, but I wouldn't buy. I just, you know, it's it's yeah. weird. I'm just sort of like, there was loads of them when we and Pete were wandering around, and I was like, I don't think I'd buy any of these games, but mm. I'd probably like play the shit out of them if I somebody yeah. was sort of kind of playing them and stuff. It's just, I don't know. It's the aesthetic. I like really grim looking games. I don't think I've got any bar exploding kittens. I don't think I've got any cutesy <laughs> games. No, I lie. I lie. I've got Catapult Kingdoms, and I, uh, which is now called Catapult. It's called uh, Catapult, Catapult, King, Feud. Catapult Kingdoms. No, no, Catapult Feud. No, it's called Catapult Feud. Feud. No, I saw, I saw them, pl- I saw them play testing it. Yeah. Like, I saw them, so um, that was formerly back in the day, back in the eighties. Me and my brother used to play a game called Crossbows and Catapults. Crossbows and Catapults. Yeah, yeah. Crossbows yeah, and Catapults. Yeah, I remember that. So we had that, and they were, I, the only reason I got Catapult Kingdoms was because holy shit, that's Catapults, Crossbows and Catapults, and I was just like, my nostalgia just kicked in. I was like. Yeah, I don't even know if I'm ever going to play this and stuff, but I've got to have it because we had that as kids and stuff, and it's just sort of, you know, one of those things. There's so many board games I have here, which are just sort of nostalgia games that I don't think I'll play, like old school, like Space Crusade, Advanced Space Crusade, old school Hero Quest and things like that. And it's like, you know, I'll probably not play them, but I like having them because you I have them. You don't want to get rid of them, yeah. Yeah, because I have It's nice them. to have them. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's me and um, Dark Future. Oh man, don't shoot! Yeah, there's, 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 if ever again needed a re-release, it's absolutely. That. But yeah, uh, have any of you played War on Terror? No, I've I've seen it. That's the one that comes with the balaclava, isn't it? Yeah, the, the yeah. balaclava of evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, it's diplomacy meets risk. By have I got news for you? <laughs> Will be a fair assessment. It's just a combo. Diplomacy and, is a good game. Pardon? The game diplomacy is a good game. Yeah, but yeah, this this takes it and adds uh, nation states and terrorists to it, and is an absolute howl. But it is a long game. If, if you want like a quick, you know, half hour, not one terror. We it's played, this. yeah, we played, we, we played uh, Twilight Imperium at the last game weekend, and I think we started at nine o'clock on the Saturday morning, <laughs> and it eventually came to end at about one a.m. on the Sunday morning. Ooh. 
that's a good game right there. That's it. It's for me and my brother. Like we do it every year. I always bring back the big games and we sit there and we like religiously we'll play like Axis and Allies um Global, which is basically six by four board effectively you know it's huge you know the second edition that'll take two days of like pure sort of kind of just going at it and stuff you could easily take 14 15 18 hours depending on how long you're taking because there's two of us and you're playing basically between you like six nations and stuff um twilight imperium it's a three a three player plus game but me and my brother were like well nobody else is going to play with us so we basically ai the third the, the third um civilization and stuff so we had certain things that it would do based on a, a d20 role you know so it would move here but it would do that we did it in a way where the ai would do thing it wouldn't do stupid stuff so if it, if it was it didn't feel like if, if it was if it was better to sort of ally with somebody then it, it would, would do that, that. or yeah. if it, it was if it was going to attack somebody it would do that and stuff but we sort of kind of based it on a, a, a dice roll and it would sort of favor people who were the underdog just to sort of give a book but then it would switch sides Rubber banding. And, yeah so so we did that and it worked quite well actually but that took us you know that took us a fair amount of time um and i've just bought the expansion for the um the expansion for twilight imperium as well with a little oh yeah this this was with the expansion with the other with the new races yeah yeah, yeah. so I've, i just got that so that's another one pile this, <laughs> this, this was a four player game and i remember everyone else around the table had played it before and i i annoyed everyone by just hedging my bets the entire game staying out of conflict and you know I, 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 it's been a year since i've played it there is when you come to the cards at the end there's one you can say that if you've got the most victory points you can just end the game now there's one of the one of the end game ones and the when you when you're turning over the the, what, yeah, the yeah. events for the year and i won just like that just got well, one point that's the one good thing about it. it it feels like it should be a like a conquest game but it's not because it's expensive to lose ships and stuff like that so there's a lot of posturing and there's a lot of sort of kind of like i've got a big army or a big navy and stuff and you're just like yeah but if you attack me then you know you're going to screw yourself and then screw me and it's just sort of like you know are you actually going to do that so there's a lot of sort of kind of back and forth and i love that. i think it's really good you know have you ever played size I've, I've 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 seen it it's one of those things you know what puts me off size and it's a really bad reason i hate meeples i hate oh, okay. meeples i don't like <laughs> meeples i think if you're gonna have a game like that's based on like world war or you know world war or weird world war Two or real world war one as is or whatever and stuff you should have little miniatures and stuff i hate games with meeples it just annoys me it's one of the reasons i don't play the game of thrones game because it's got meeples and it's just meeples. like it's just it's just it feels to me it's a it's a, an irrational dislike of meeples I don't know what it is. I just don't like meeples. <laughs> you, can't get away, you can't get away from them. I it's just like, I just like whenever I, want, I buy a game, I just want a game that's got nice pretty miniatures and something that can kind of immerse me. As soon as somebody breaks out a meeple, I'm just like, what the fuck is this shit? When <laughs> did meeples become so associated with the board gaming? I suppose it's because they're cheap, isn't it? I've, I've, noticed, I've noticed the rise of acrylic, little, little acrylic figures now seem to be making a... A, a cheap yeah. alternative to meeples at the moment popping up in various yeah, like, games. I, the thing is, like, I, you know, some of the little plastic guys you get, especially in Axis, you know, just sort of, you know, they're not the best, but it's just sort of kind of... They're notational. Just, yeah. yeah, it's just yeah. like this sort of little little red guy that's sort of with his arms out like this. And it's just like, that's silly. Why is this is a war game? Why have you got silly meeples? It just doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. And it just puts me off. My, 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 
my point about size before the Maple thing was going to be that that's again a game that looks like it's going to be about mech combat, yeah. and it's not. That uh, you, 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 most games will go and there won't be any combat whatsoever, which is quite interesting. And that's why I won't play because there's no mech combat. You show me mech combat in the box, and there's no mech combat. I will not play it. The mechs are just designed to be a big threat, doesn't the fact that this is why you won't attack me because I've got this big mech. <laughs> yeah, but I want I want to play the big mech. But there are a lot of big mech games already out there. I've, I've got one from Kickstarter. I've got the uh, the BattleTech, the sort of BattleTech Clan oh, Wars yeah. one, um, and I got a load of stuff for that. Um, which still I remember all the epic stuff for Warhammer Forty Thousand. Oh, does they need to bring Epic back? Oh my God, I've been saying this for years. Uh, we do not future Epic. There we they are. just need to bring it back. Oh man, I love that game. I've got some of the old school. I've got Space Marine. I've got you know. To, like old school copies and i got loads of six millimeter stuff and it's just like that's how it should be played Massive tiny scale. rhinos yeah it's just like there's a there's a there's a group on um i think it's called what's it called i think it's it's not epic armageddon but it's like it, it's something along those lines but it's like there's a group that basically they just play um epic and it's like a new it's i think they use sort of the um armageddon or, Plastic. <laughs> apocalypse rules. So they use apocalypse rules, but they do it for six millimeter, and they use sort of the new Titans from Titanicus and stuff. Then obviously use the tanks and the infantry, and there's loads of really nice three D printed sort of kind of vehicles and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh man, Games Workshop should, should jump on that, and do that, but they just currently aren't. And it's just like I would throw so much money at that if they did that. Yeah, I I I've tended to veer away from Games Workshop stuff. Uh, because I'm not one for uh, skirmish combat and, uh, and little army miniatures. So yeah, I, I I like I love my miniatures. Unfortunately, uh, I've got too many. I've got a massive pile of shame. Uh, it's just sort of ridiculous how much stuff I got to point where I'm trying to sell things at the minute. I I was ruthless. I was at the thing called Warboot on Sunday in Element Games. And I sold about 400 quid's worth of stuff, including, like, knights and, like, you know, Primaris tanks and things like that, repulsors and things. It's just, it's like, I am never going to use these. I've yeah, built I, them I, to the I need to do that. I need to do that. Yeah, so I just, like, I just need to get rid of it. And I, I was just brutal. I was just, like, get, I'm getting rid of this stuff, and I'm just slowly trying to sort my shit out. It's like, am I going to play this, you know, old nostalgic games and stuff? I'm just going to keep because I kind of like that nostalgic feeling. But new stuff? I'm just trying to be a bit more brutal with myself and say, like, am yeah, I ever going to play this? I, need, I, need, I absolutely need to do the same. I mean, we tend to veer towards the casual stuff because, like I say, Tara will, won't play. She wouldn't even dream of playing uh, Warhammer 40,000. <laughs> Break out the rules and go, here we go. It's like it's like two hours. That's your lot. Like, <laughs> more than two hours will not get played in the house. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. There's, there's no two games. Like, I play... Um, song of ice and fire tabletop game which is really good um it's just not a lot of one i don't think cool many or not haven't supported it very well uh there is sort of updates and stuff for it but they've been really bad with releasing cards and updates for uh different units and things but the miniatures are beautiful for that though. oh really. yeah they are absolutely stunning uh it's a really good mechanics as well it's rank and flank and it's quite simple it's just it's all about the cards you get and the cards that can literally fuck you over and stuff you know there's just you play a card and it just throws everything but it's kind of like chess because it's alternate alternate activations and stuff mm. i've got loads of that i've got most factions and it's just like 
I don't need all these factions. I play Starks. I'm never going to play anybody other than Starks. My brother, uh, when he plays, plays Lannisters and stuff, so I keep those. But I've got Baratheons. I'm not going to play Baratheons. I've got, like, Night's Watch. I'm not going to play Night's Watch. I've got... Um, I might keep the Targaryens simply because the, the uh, Mother of Dragons models are really cool. The dragons are really cool. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those and things. And dragons. Yeah, and dragons. <laughs> well, I've got, like... Um, there's. Have you ever heard of a game called Joan of Arc? Yeah, uh, the Joan of Arc game. So I got that, and it, it has. I wonder if I can show. Get it. It's all about the dragons. Oh wow! Okay. For you, anybody who's listening to this afterwards, you won't be able to see this, but you might see a picture of my. Um, do you see the dragon? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I saw uh, my my friend Simon Parr painted one and had on one on his table at the weekend at Games and um, Friday and Games Expo. All oh, right, okay, oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, right. that, that exact figure. I've never I've never heard of it before, and if I, so I've seen it. I've seen them. I've seen it in the flesh. They are um, or the resin or the whatever. <laughs> it's from Mythic. It's from Mythic Games. Uh, or formerly they they don't support it anymore because uh, there was a falling out. They've done a lot of things with got a lot of games where they don't support them anymore, legal reasons or whatever. But uh. It's a huge game. There were so many miniatures and stuff came out. Like I, it when it turned up, like I forgot about it. It turned up and there was like four huge, and I'm talking huge boxes. There's turned up for it to the point where they're all stacked up there now. But that beautiful dragon, it's just like I'm just like, yeah, I've got to keep it. Was different. that a Kickstarter? Yeah, it was another Kickstarter. But it was just like it's got so many little sort of miniatures. It's got so many. Like it, I was just like, and the terrain's really good, and it's just like, but that. That dragon's just amazing. Just such beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So, model. how about your Kickstarter habit, uh, David? Uh, I, I think I'm waiting for two at the moment, and that's quite good for me. Uh, I did uh, Moonrakers. That that turned up the other week. That's, okay, that's a that? nice. It's a uh, deck builder about uh, rival uh, rival space pirates working to do various contracts but it's all about negotiations so you'll choose your contract and pretty much you can't do anything in the game uh for the first half of it without negotiation and so it's all it's all agreeing with the other players about what risk they'll take and what re- and sharing the rewards and it becomes more ruthless as the game goes on as you buy new bits for your ship and new crew and you start to improve and you become able to do missions on your own it's really really nice i love you know what? games like that i actually quite like the idea of um thing is though i'm very i i'm not very good at being a, a backstabbery and stuff like that i might sort of kind of push boundaries and stuff but i can't you know um oh no I'm, this is all absolutely about the treachery this yeah is the, I, I always feel really bad like you know i'm not sure if you've ever played the game among us um on um yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i was playing with a we were streaming and, and my brother was on and i was like he, I, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's the, the imposter and stuff. And he was swearing blind that he wasn't the imposter. Like, he was getting really agitated and stuff. To where I was like, oh, you, know what? you know, he wouldn't get that annoyed. He's my brother. I, I know what he is. And I, he fucking was. He was. I felt so betrayed. I was just like, oh, my God. It's like, it's the same with the resistance as well. When somebody betrays you in that game, you just hold that grudge, even though you, the, each game's completely different and you can't hold grudges because you'll just screw yourself over. But you do, you hold a grudge because you're just like, you lied to me last time. You're a liar. <laughs> I've fallen out with people over Galactica. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so there's that uh, ISS uh, uh, ISS Vanguard is another one from Awaken Realms. Oh, I've got new... I've got that coming out. Uh, it hasn't turned up yet though, but yeah, I've got that. No, coming. I'm waiting for that. But that, that that looks really nice. I've got because yeah. I liked Nemesis, so I'm, that Nemesis got a lot of a lot of play on the table, and uh, the Thing board game as well. We're talking about oh, treachery ooh. again, so still yeah. waiting for that at the moment. That Nemesis, see, I've got it, and I got the. Um... I got the uh, lockdown version of. It. Did you get the lockdown version of it as well? Oh, I went for the I went for the first version of it just with the stretch. The, the, that wasn't a stretch goal at the time. Yeah, yeah. So I got I got that, and then I've got the lockdown. So it's like they're separate boards. There's a few different mechanics and stuff in the second version. But um, is it very much? It's like cooperative, but you've got agendas. I've not played it yet because I've got nobody to play with it yet. But like, uh, it's you've got like agendas and. And your uh, agendas may directly conflict with other players' agendas as well. Yeah, which it, it's it's one of these games where it, it, it can be quite... There's a lot of randomness to it. So literally you can spend an hour setting up the table and the game's over in half an hour just because everything went horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but you'll have other games that will last five, six hours. But it's a, it's a brilliant storytelling game, hasn't the fact that you all, you'll all have your story to tell at the end of it because it, it, yeah. it, it's not so much about moving around the board, it's about yeah. moving around the board and doing things with an agenda. So everyone comes out with, with their own little role-playing story about what their characters have done in it, which is which is quite good. Really good story generator. Nice. Have you played uh, Manchester Madness? I have, yes. Because that's really good at storytelling. It's very narrative-driven, but also what I really liked is you all start out as cooperative, but then as you go inside, you start getting personal agendas, which really starts to kind of mix, mix things up quite a lot. So I really like that because, of course, because I'm the person who tends to buy the games... When we mm. have stuff like the first version of Manchester Madness, I always tend to end up refereeing them, so rarely get to play these things for myself. Yeah. So I was really pleased that the Lord of the Rings game and Manchester Madness Second Edition came with an app, yeah. and I could play it as a player for once rather than having to referee the bad guy trying to kill everyone. What do you exactly? What do you feel like? Because I'm the same. Like if I do dungeon crawlers, I tend to play like in descent. I'm always the Overlord, or you know, an uh, Imperial Assault and stuff. I'm the Imperials and stuff like that. Because I, I don't overly mind it. But do, how do you feel about sort of solo play with an app? Like the app basically being the bad guy. If it works well, I've I've had games where the app hasn't been so good, but, but in Manchester Abandus where it's really polished, the Lord of the Rings game by Fantasy Flight is the same thing as well. But it, it if it work if it's a good app and it works well, then I'm all I'm all for it because it means I can actually sit down and play these games. Yeah, I'm always a bit iffy about sort of kind of playing. There's something about um, solo play games that doesn't. I don't know. It's it's weird. Like I've got Reichbusters as well, uh, which is like weird. It's like uh, Wolfenstein, effectively, yeah. and stuff. But so again, I bought it because there's some absolutely amazing models in it. I just like I just I just get shiny things, and I was like, uh, but it's like basically you cooperative against the board game, and it's sort of down to noise, kind of like Zombie Side and stuff like that, and yeah, you know yeah. doing certain things and stuff. And I'm like, part of me is just like. I don't mind it, but I prefer there being somebody, a tangible person fucking with me, you know, who can maybe think outside the box a bit more than something that's automatic uh, in a way. Um, And that's what gets me about sort of certain apps and things like that, because it is storyboarded in a way, and there's no sort of kind of like somebody kind of got you. Like, for example, we were playing um, Descent, and I know 
that one of my mates is like he's he's a loot ninja, so he's always just running up to chests and taking stuff first. And the first thing he if there's a chest in the room, straight up opening it, taking stuff, and you no, know, that's all he went. And I knew he'd do this. And I had this card, and it was first edition descent. And I'm just like it was called Curse of the Monkey God, and it was basically it's basically as soon as they open the chest, you play this card. And I was like, and I just kept it. I, I knew that he was going to do it, and he ran up to this chest and he opened it, and I just threw it on the table and went Curse of the Monkey God, and it basically meant that he got turned into a monkey and he had to drop everything that he had. So everything he had picked up throughout the entire like couple of minutes, everything weapons, gold, everything he had to drop and he was raging because he was replaced by this little monkey that was running around are you, so, are you talking again yet yeah he, 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 he's, he always brings it up and stuff but it was just like you know it, it's just like every time he gets sort of kind of something bad happens or i do something bad he's just like curse of the monkey god and i'm just like i know i know but that's those things because like an app and sort of like a, a self-play game they can't give those those sort of moments to you i think there's still a place for them it's just it was just nice and refreshing to be able to play these things myself i guess yeah, yeah. Well, i suppose that's it isn't it really you kind of you know always the dungeon master never the uh never the the player and stuff but yeah the thing is i don't i because we do we uh we play um dungeons and dragons on thursday nights so we stream it and stuff and we've been going for about two years now pete is it two years now about two years yeah yeah two years level 11 i think they're on and um, I just the idea of me actually playing a game feels alien. Though I feel like you know I'm I'm just I'm just a dungeon master, and I kind of enjoy it in a way. It's just sort of one of those things. The idea of actually playing an RPG where I'm a character is a bit alien to me now. I've done a bit of it. I still I've still got a real soft spot for for, for refereeing a GM. I mean, I mean over lockdown we got quite into uh, Tales in the Loop, so did a bit oh, of a good game. Yeah, and, we, and I'm just literally writing a mock board campaign now, which is why I was really annoyed oh. I missed the awaken the, the guys on Friday. So I can I would have took my copy in to get signed. I was really yeah. that. Yeah, I mean the uh, the artist for Morkborg is just such a nice guy. I mean, and also he was also an artist for uh, Simba Room. So um, not only did I have uh, Matthias Hark uh, sign it, the creator, but also I got the um, artist when the artist signed as well. Still two of the artists signed as well. So it's like great. Don't rub it in. <laughs> when it was like, it's like, it's like, I saw like the three leaks and we're going to be there. It's like, ah, oh, let's see who's going to be there. If I put that book aside. I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I, again, we have to stop playing Tales and Luke because I kind of ended the campaign, but I'd written myself into a corner. I have no uh, idea where I'm going to take the place from that. <laughs> have you seen the fun one to Mark Borg? Oh, Cyborg. Yes. There's... there's the Cyborg and there's Dead of Space. Oh, is, I've, I've, is that the same people? I've seen, I've seen the cover for it. I think Tabletop Gaming reviewed it. I didn't know it was the same people. One of these days, Pete, that shelf is going to collapse. The amount of hardback RPGs you've got on that and stuff. Yeah, it's about, it's about the same people. Oh, okay. Oh, let me let me get at least more bog started yet. <laughs> Don't show me more shiny things. Yes, it's. I mean, when I first received it. Um, it's by three leagues. I thought, well, and it was described initially as kind of a blue collar, you know, sci-fi horror. And I thought, well, that's alien. So why are they doing another alien game? But then when, yeah. I, when I actually read it, it's quite tonally different. It's much more nihilistic than alien. It's got the same kind of you know apocalyptic vibes that Mark Borg has. 
And instead of like you no, know, it's the entire premise is like no, oh, it's in the crunch, you know, like how you know, the Big Bang and expansion, and now you've got the crunch now where everything's kind of contracting down, like you no, know, the universe is essentially shrinking. The end of the universe. Exactly, and like you no, know, it's got like this big apocalyptic vibe to it. Instead of corporations, you have cults, and there's the void out there, and everyone's kind of got these void mutations, so it's kind of real, kind of apocalyptic vibe to it, and so quite different to Alien overall. So yeah, but yeah, that's quite cool. It's quite cool. I, I bought the Alien role playing game. I think I bought that solely to read. Though I'll probably never referee that. I just wanted to. It just looked oh, like a really nice. Book. Some of these, like there's loads of them, and they're just beautiful art books and yeah. stuff. You know, even if you don't, you've got. It's basically a lovely art book with rules if you wanted to play a game yeah, and stuff. Yeah. You know, like I was really tempted by the the One Ring, uh, like that sort of kind of fancy sort of book they had at the the Free League had. I was just like, I don't think I'd ever play this because like, Dungeons and Dragons takes up most of my life, but. I just like it's such a beautiful, beautiful book, you know. I can I can see it on Pete's shelf there. There it is, top right. Yep, top three. Well, actually, there's an entire row of just three lead books on there. Which is, uh, you could see it bend there. I was keep on saying this, man. That shelf is going to break one of these days. It's just going. We're going to be on the podcast or, or streaming or something, and it's just going to go crush. <laughs> it's all going to fall apart. You should do a poll on how long to open yeah, a poll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should do go fun like uh, run a run a bet and um, basically. From the take, he's like, Doug, buy myself a new bookshelf. <laughs> but no, um, but yeah. Put one new weight on the shelf at the start of every podcast. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> one thing, I mean, obviously, free, one of the first books I think Freely Gera did was the Tales from the Loop art book. Hmm. So it's kind of, I think it's very telling that you know, their subsequent role playing game books are, are just basically essentially art books with rules, yeah. and says, because they just are beautiful to look at. You enjoyed but, the board game, didn't you? For, I saw your review. You, you yeah, liked it. Um, I had it was not completely perfect. Then no game ever is. I mean, I like the theme. It was very thematically appropriate. Like there's stuff like oh, we, there's go explore something uh, that weird thing, which is pure. But then it's also but do your chores. Well, and also, I struggled with it a little because I thought that I thought considering it was free league, the rule books were really badly laid out. There's a lot of house rules we had to establish because it just didn't mention it. There's stuff it doesn't mention in the rule book. You may yeah. have got a later version. I, I kickstarted it, so maybe there's an errata uh, yeah. out there now. Probably is. I mean, one thing I had issue with was like the symbols on the cards were in the center of the cards rather than at the edges. Oh, so in, for sorting cards out, yeah. Yeah, that was a pain. That was a real pain to deal with. So I basically kind of just got a load of elastic bands and kind of divvied them all out and just do it that way. But generally, that was a pain. The mission was gorgeous. Um, the hacking rules, I kind of have to squint a bit and just then ignore. And because we just never hacked, actually hacked the robots, so that wasn't much of a problem for us. But also, I liked it. I thought the, the stories it was telling were thematically appropriate. I liked the fact that... You had chores to do, and like you know, you you're, had a rating with your parents of like you know, happy, sad, or you know, you know, ambi- no, ambivalent. Can they give me a lift? Yeah, exactly. So give, give, bring your parents to give you a lift, and like if you do that, you go down in the rating, which is like great. <laughs> so I, yeah, just... I, 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 never, I maybe need to check for an rating. So we we sat down. I spent about two days reading the rules. And thought, well, let's just play it by ear see how he goes hmm. but literally we had to stop and start every 15 minutes as in when, when we fail the quest does the quest vanish from the boards it stay there and you realize it doesn't actually say anywhere in the manual it's just like a lot of it is just you assume from other board games you've played you have to house rule it that's yeah, one well, thing I, 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 like when it when it was completed it was removed from the board 
regular and then were discarded. But I've got the are... version of the rules that never states that. So yeah. it, it, just, it, it doesn't say what happens. It says it goes when it's completed, but not what happens when you fail it. That's one thing oh, I, quite, I quite like about... Bit... Sorry, Pete. Carry on. I just took it as... Yeah, I assumed it was still there until you until you completed it. Yeah, the, the, the problem with a lot of it is we were just assuming that yeah. making and house ruling what we thought, what they, they meant by when they were writing it and not actually it written down in black and white. Yeah, they could have been doing just a bit more you know, clarity and, you know, busy just de- defining everything. Fantasy Flight are quite good at that, is and you get a rule book, but you also get a glossary um, for like, specific rules and stuff. So yeah. if you're not, you know, which I think is really good idea. Yeah, I mean, Fantasy I'm, Flight have got absolutely got that in the bag, haven't they? Yeah, yeah so you, you know, there's no ambiguity because there's always an explanation for everything. You know, I don't, there, there's, I, I, I couldn't give you a Fantasy Flight game that I've played where I've sort of kind of gone, that's a confusing rule because they've got that glossary and stuff always there yeah. to sort of kind of explain it for you and stuff. And it's something, you know, other companies should do. I don't understand, like, Games Workshop are notoriously bad for just, like, you know, just rule ambiguity and stuff like that. And as much as they're trying currently at the minute to sort of kind of update things, it's just like, it's... They should re- they should bring out a glossary with their their codexes, codices, and things. You know, just to kind of emphasize certain things because there's always there's always people who take advantage of rules because because there's know, ambiguity there. because there's yeah. ambiguity and stuff, and it's just you know it, it sort yeah. of adds a bad taste to the game sometimes. It makes it makes it less daunting as well when you're looking at a twelve page rule book rather than a sixty page rule book, because yeah, you know that yeah. all the other stuff is covered in the in the in the separate glossary. You what you you can get by with the bare minimum, which is nice. Yeah, because that's yeah. that's ob- obviously the a, a lot of the time the biggest difficulty I've getting stuff to the table is just people people being daunted by learning a new yeah. rule set again. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, so anything I mean, anything to streamline that is is favourable yeah. in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, one one game I want to get into, and I mean, which is typical of me because that was being discontinued, is uh, Imperial Assault. Star Wars Imperial Assault. Because, well, um, the two boys both like Star Wars, as do I. Um, my um, my older son is really into, enjoys playing Dungeons and Dragons, and thinking he enjoys board games as well. So I think really Imperial Assault he would dive straight into. I still into. get it though, man. Like I've 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 got it and six expansions and a load of the other things and stuff for it. It's a it's a great game. It's a really good game, you know. Yeah. Um, one thing that's sort of fun, like it's it's basically if you ever played Descent, the game Descent, which is basically yeah. it, it, you know it it's um it's the same principle. It's a dungeon crawler. They brought out the new version of Descent, and I'm not going to buy it. One because I was the shut up and sit down um review of it was very oh that, 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 yeah that, that was about the, everyone's just going to move hit yeah it was very <laughs> scathing um and I, I I'm very iffy about app driven games in general and it just they were pretty much like it's pretty and stuff but it's like you might as well just play a computer game and stuff it's just like there's no sort of feeling behind it whatsoever and descent especially it's very much about the overlord sort of like i said fucking with you and stuff and um you know because it's it's first edition and second edition the overlord has as much as it's 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 harder for him to sort of he, he can't win in the end but you he he gets bonuses for defeating the, the the players and things like that. So he gets experience, he gets cards and things like that. So there's incentive for him to try and make it hard for them and stuff like that. So you know, I I like that. Whereas the new version they brought out, it's just so it's solo play with a, with an app, and it took everything that was 
dissent and has done away with it and it's just a bit odd and you know as much as it's probably got pretty minis and they changed the art style and everything apparently as well um and i'm just like yeah i don't think i'm gonna go for I that i do i do like that idea of a referee gaining experience so that's a really a, a, yeah so my, kind of micro game in that aspect of it that yeah. i think i'd have been a lot less loath to referee games if there was well, something like that out of it as well descent and imperial salt um and there's a game called um a game called Irun, uh, which just came out in Kickstarter recently, and it's based on what the, the, the problem is, because we haven't had any of these old-school disconnects that we used to have back in the day, so I'm not sure if it's actually OBS this time around. It might just be my internet being a bit shit at this moment in time. But yeah, I was Enjoy saying... the boys. Yeah, the boys. That's um, <laughs> so good. That's another story, but it's like the boys, like the bit where... Oh, man, I just... It's, episode one. Yeah, yeah just the episode one where he goes inside and then obviously gets bigger, if you know what I'm saying. Prop builders. What did you build today, Daddy? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Descent and um, Descent and Imperial Salt, and this game, E-Rune. Um, now, you can get apps for them if you want to sort of... You can get apps for them if you want to play solo um, or if you, you know, if you don't want to be the Overlord, but they are um adversarial uh games so the the overlord the imperials and the i can't remember what they call the guy in the rune but um you get xp for certain things especially in the rune you, you you get xp for winning the gate for winning they them not completing the game so you set out specific monsters you've got a, a set of rules that you can x amount of monsters that you can have and you control them and stuff now obviously it's harder for you because you know you don't want to sort of kind of beat the the heroes but it gets better for you as you go along it makes it harder for them and it just makes you a bit more invested as a sort of a gm to sort of kind of play the game because you know you can you can fuck with them and not win but sort of you know it gives you a bit more incentive to play and stuff. And make, just, make their lives difficult. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, so it's not just like each time you're getting a battering. It's like literally, because I remember my brother, <laughs> we were playing Imperial Assault and um, and I told him, I said, look, this is an adversarial game and stuff, so I'm going to make it as hard as I can for you and stuff. And he'd done something and I was just like putting out sort of reinforcements and he couldn't get down this corridor in Imperial Assault without getting blasted to hell and stuff. And he was getting really frustrated with me. He's like, You're, this isn't meant to be the way it's meant to be. I was like, it is in this game. You know, you, you've got to sort of kind of think about it another way and stuff. And uh, But yeah, you can if you, if you want to play a game where you actually are a part of it instead of just being a DM. Imperial Assault, Descent, first edition on second edition. And Irune, which is a game I've played recently um and i think it's in certain ways it's not got as much many characters as descent has because you've got so many different characters in descent but you have a lot more customization in it because it's app based and it gives you random loot and it gives you random events and stuff that happen to the characters and it gives you a shop that you can buy from, like a D&D shop where you can go in and you can buy different equipment and mm. it updates and they've got a thing where they're going to update this so there's more and more and more that you can buy and stuff so you can carry on playing it without... Whereas in Descent and stuff, you can have X amount of things and then you're sort of maxed out and there's no sort of kind of going past that and stuff. So yeah, yeah. there's a lot more scope for this one, I think, which is good. Yeah, yeah so, so anyway, so when you've been playing board games or writing... Or working, or 
spend your time with your lovely wife. Uh, what shows are you watching at the moment, anyway? Uh, I'm very much enjoyed. Very much enjoyed, we caught up with the boys last night, which is very good. Yes. Uh, we're slow. We, we we kind of we're, we're late to this series of Stranger Things, so I've just made the start yeah. on that. I finished that yesterday. Yeah, it's it's really. I've not even started it. I mean. I, the, the 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 length of the episodes almost daunted me slightly. Yeah. But having watched the first two, I think it's I think it's as good as the first season. Oh it's wow! Like, yeah, yeah, it is, and it's it's a lot more it like it's a lot gorier, gory, gorier than sort of. Yeah, like there's some there's some there's some properly gruesome moments. At yeah, the end yeah, of so the, it's definitely the first a lot more episodes. It's a lot more adult than sort of say the the first couple of seasons, um, which sort of had they inferred a bit more, you know, the horror side of things. Whereas this one is. Yes, it was more implied and yes. Yeah, this one's more, def- about, more about creeping dreads than. Yeah, yeah, this one is literally just like you know it's pretty gruesome and stuff um bone, bone snapping yeah oh man yeah that's just like yeah i was eating i was eating at the time when that happened and i was just like yep i'm not finishing this <laughs> uh, i made the mistake of uh, well Ken and i made the mistake of watching the first episode of game of thrones with over dinner so we talked about 10 years ago so yeah, yeah. yeah yeah 10 years ago and within that first you know, 10 minutes we had uh, mutilated bodies, uh, you know, corpses like zombies, beheadings, stabbage, and it, it, uh, it sets its stall from the start. Yeah. Of it, yeah, and we just went. I don't think we're going to watch any more of this. Thank you over dinner. <laughs> it's it's not the dinner show, no. Yeah, but I, uh, there's certain like I, I, I've gone really squeamish. I'm really squeamish when it comes to stuff like I remember. Like I don't really like gory films in general, but um, I remember watching what my friend had got the first Saw film, and like we got some like takeaway Kentucky Fried Chicken or something. I'm sitting there eating this, and then there's a bit where he's trying to hack off his leg with a hacksaw, and I'm just like, oh man, I cannot eat this anymore and stuff. Like literally, proper put me off my food. Couldn't do it. I'm a proper gore hound, so I love my horror films. Like, don't uh, get me wrong, I, I don't mind. Story. I don't mind a horror film and stuff. It's just like I'm a bit squeamish and stuff. So it's more like I like I like psychological horror, gore gore fests. I'm a bit like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I can deal with that. Has anyone watched the first season of American Horror Story? No, no, I've never, I've never caught, I've never caught any of it. Oh, uh, it's on Disney Plus at the moment. And it's actually really, really good. I was yeah, quite surprised. I've, I've heard good things. I've heard good things. I mean, the first the first season, Murder House, is really well written, excellently done tension, with some really, you know, unsettling moments of gore. So yeah, if you get if you want something to watch, yeah, I really recommend watching that. I'm literally on the final episode of the first season now, and yeah, it's been it's had me gripped the entire time. Yeah, I've yeah, I've, I've heard good things. It's, just, it's the problem is American series has such a commitment, though, isn't there? So many episodes to them. Yeah. It's when, when, when you're yeah. behind, it's like, oh god, this is a, this yeah. is like a full-time well, commitment to watch this now. Uh, American also is, is almost like an apology series in that each season is independent of all the others. Oh, it just uh, shares cast shares the odd cast members. Exactly, it just shares yeah. cast members playing completely different roles. I suppose like what 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 they did with Haunting of Hill House. And, yeah, uh, man, exactly. I, I wasn't like. <sighs> I don't know. I I thought it was, the first this first one. I don't think it was as scary as people people that were making out like it was it was like really scary and stuff. And I was just like, 
yeah it had its sort of jump scare moments and stuff but it really it didn't do a lot for me second the second one i just thought was bollocks i just i wasn't really i watched it all but it was just like on in the background and it wasn't really i don't do, do we watched the second we didn't what do, well, i can't even remember what it's called now the, yeah. another haunting of somewhere yeah it? it's just uh yeah it just wasn't great but we adored midnight mass I thought midnight mass is probably been some of my favorite telly of the last decade mm. i think i'm not sure if i've seen midnight mass i don't think I've... It's yeah. well worth it. I think it's only about seven episodes as well, so it's well yeah. worth it. There's something to be said for like it's a tightly written, you know, short season, telling a story with no kind of you know excess. It's just completely stripped down. Yeah, I like that's why I like the Expanse because there wasn't massive amounts of episodes and stuff. It was just sort of like you know it was very pure story. Yeah, and I just sort of you know enjoy. I, that's the one thing that always got me about like The Walking Dead, which really kind of put me off. Like I used to love it. And then I got so bored of it because it became yeah, we, so... We, did exactly, we watched, I think, about the end of season six, and it was like, I'm not going to bother watching season seven. It's just that they're just treading the same old yeah, water. Yeah, I just, I think, where, where did I sort of, like, I'm, just after I'm like... Negan came in, I think it was like, um, I think at the last episode, I think I watched was when Carl, you know, died and stuff. And I was just like... I'm just getting so bored of the same thing. And it was because, like, if they'd shortened the seasons down and you had less sort of exposition of these characters you don't give a shit about, these small characters you're running around doing things, it's like, I don't care about the filler. I just want to know what's happened about the main characters. Mm. And then you have this sort of kind of good start and then shit happens and then they find a new place to live. And that was happening season after season after season. You gave up exactly the same time we gave up. Yeah, it's so boring. I really enjoyed the first season, the first six episodes. Yeah, I I, thought, I, 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 I really liked the first about, about, about first three seasons. Yeah, yeah. But then you I, I think, I mean, by the second and third, I was just getting bored of it. I think part of the reason was is it was just because becoming misery porn. You needed moments of levity to balance the grim horror. I mean, there's the they, fact they that they were few and far between. Yeah. I mean, like just when Glenn was driving around. Um, in the first season with the car alarm blasting from his car and he's just having the time of his life in this in this sports car it just it just it just added a moment of lightness yeah. and that meant everything else contrasted so <laughs> brilliantly did you ever read the book the road or watch the film the road yeah, I, um, yeah. Now that okay. is yes. just on. There's no joy. The only joy in that film, like literally throughout the entire film, there's only one moment where there's a bit of happiness, and it's when they find some tinned fruit in a bunker <laughs> and they eat it, and that's it. That that's is the, the only yeah. sort of kind of joy you get. I think in that it's the film. only flash of color in the film as well. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's just, just like a weird, weird sepia monochrome. It, it's isn't a it? be, It's it's really well. It's a great film, but it's not a film I will ever watch ever again because it's just oh. like it's so joyless. Have, have, a tri- have a triple bill of martyrs followed by that, followed by Eden Lake. That's all you need. For- yeah. <laughs> oh, and don't forget, um, what do you call it? Uh, Requiem for a Dream as well, just to finish, yeah. finish you off. Just to, yeah, just to actually finish you off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, um, my my eldest, who's now 14, uh, as part of her English course, they're doing dystopian fiction at school, and they read The Road. It's and a great it was, book, yeah. Like, he's a great writer. <laughs> yeah, just read, read some really kind of What's grim that? fiction. I was going, you really never done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, There's a book. Because okay. my, my, my mate Smith, was re- he read all of those books. Um, There's one, oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's something to do with a leaf. Right? I can't remember what it's called. Well, it's basically, the book 
is like a diary and it's the way it's sort of kind of written um it, you have to go back and forth on pages and stuff because the way things are written and stuff it's like it's it's really odd but he loved it i can't remember what it's called oh is, it how, oh is it house of a thousand leaves or something yeah yeah yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah 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 experimental fiction i've heard i've heard of it i've seen it on a shelf but yeah yeah it's I'm like it let's say it's got stuff written like the wrong way around and things and you have to sort of kind of kind of work it out in certain ways and stuff and it's just like like he loved it um i it was a bit too intimidating for me to try and stuff because I, like, I don't know if i can i can deal with that i'm dyslexic i, I struggle reading in general but <laughs> sort of like things that are the wrong way around and stuff but jj J. abrams wrote something similar it's not an, it's not mm-hmm. a grabbing room now i can't remember what it was called jerry yeah, wrote a similar hardback book which is like a weird experimental thing where you're supposed to it's it's not linear you you will move through it it's just a, there's a story within the story and yeah, it's... yeah 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 like a like a fighting fantasy sort of uh choose your own adventure <laughs> oh, if you ever if you ever want the best one of those, Kim Newman, you know the uh, the horror writer. Oh yes, he wrote a brilliant one called Life's Lottery, which I, I might be out of print now. You can probably you probably still find it on Amazon somewhere. Which is basically if Martin Amis wrote a Final Fantasy adventure. So set yeah. in a, set, set in a, you're a contemporary adult set nowadays, just trying to live your life. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do like Kim Newman's works, especially his uh, Anna Dracula novels. They're yeah, just he's great. amazing, and lovely guy as well. Really, really lovely guy. Never met him. I'd love to though. I mean, um, I read the Bloody Red Baron at first and found that was brilliantly written, but you know, quite harrowing to read because it was like you know a brutal reflection of World War One. Mm. But then there's Dracula Cha Cha Cha. Which is just like a much more lighter tone to it, and like, yeah, I felt much gravitated much more towards that. Yeah, he was kind of writing League of Extraordinary Gentlemen stuff before even Alan Moore was doing it. With yeah, the, that was with it his, with his Dracula stuff. Yeah, you know, was... life's, life's lottery though. It's it. It's one of these ones where it, literally there are the stories diverge so rapidly in it. Literally, your first ch- you, it, there are no repeated chapters in it, no repeating paragraphs. And you'll literally go. What there'll be one of them will be a violent, uh, gory horror story. Another one will just be a, a romance. There's like hundreds of little stories. It's ab- absolutely amazing. And the first choice you have in it is you're you're in a playground and you're asked who your favorite is. It's set in the 60s and you're asked who your favorite man from Uncle is, whether it's Ilya Kuryakin or, or Robert Vaughan's character. And that and your choice for that will take you on two completely different paths. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Well worth looking out for a copy I'll of it. I'd love to read that, actually. That sounds quite cool. I'm just starting to watch The Expanse, by the way. You, you were just mentioning that oh, earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's so good. Very to it. So Have good. you watched episode four, CQB? Yes. That, that, that for me, was when it just cemented me, yes, I'm going to watch all of this. I'm going to have to. It was like too many people have recommended this, so it's like no, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I was really the same behind. man. Like I, 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 and I've said this numerous times on this podcast, but it's like I initially just had zero interest in it, and it was only because I got browbeaten so much into sort of kind of you have to watch this, you have to watch this, and it, w- I was just like I had some downtime. Like five seasons of it were on Amazon. I was just like, all right. I'll give it a whirl, and I think it's awesome. It's possibly some of the best sci-fi I have seen in in a very long time. So good. So and this good. is why you should listen to me, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I literally watched the first episode about three times, and so I yeah. to start it, and then never got around to watch it anymore. And it was only the other week when I started again. I thought I've seen this. <laughs> it's, it's a slow start. That first but I'm episode, sticking with it this time. Yeah. The first few episodes, slow start, was all about building up, building up that tension, and then it just. Builds to a crescendo at 
CQB and then just goes poom, straight yeah. up. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hooked now. So that's 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 yeah. my new thing. Yeah. Have, you, have you seen Men yet? The new Alex Garland film. Oh, I've heard no. about it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I keep on seeing it advertised. Um, it's got the guy who's like in the Bond films. He's one of the sort of kind of he, he... Daniel Craig. No, no, no. Rory, Rory Kinnear. Yeah, that's so it. Yeah, Rory, yeah, yeah. Rory Kinnear's son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's it's up. really good. It, 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 you might not like it as if you're squeamish. Oh uh, right, okay. <laughs> but, but, but it's it's well worth a watch. Yeah. Oh, what's well, your take on? Have you been watching Kenobi at all? I have been watching Kenobi. Yes, um, I'm thoroughly. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Mostly is the best way I can phrase it. There's some. <sighs> I felt so Rumbles. let down by Boba Fett that I'm really, I'm really enjoying. Yeah, not, Boba Fett was like it was Kenobi. like the, yeah, it was like the book of the book of Boba Fett who cameos in his own series yeah. now and the, again. <laughs> the best episodes of Boba Fett were the Mandalorian episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was basically yeah, they should have shunted them into the epilogue. Yeah. Of you know the last season because that's what they were. I mean, there was no. There was, there was no connection. Yeah, there was no connected yeah. tissue to the other stuff. Yeah, rather exactly. Than it just felt really and then I'll come back and see you in a bit yeah. once I've done I just, my I, separate standalone I, tale. I had to stop it a few times to make sure, am I really watching Mandalore? Uh, the Book of Boba Fett? I mean, did they upload the right file? Yeah, I just like that. I think, like, Boba Fett, for me, like, I didn't hate it. You know, I, you know him running around in a rancor and stuff was just like something, you know, as a child, you're just like, that's fucking awesome. You know, it just sort of, you know, it's cool. But, um, it's like for me, he's he's neutral and he just seemed too goody in a way. I think he kind of he was a bit, you know, I thought he'd be a bit more, you know, hard line on certain things like that because that's is kind of his character from the films and the stuff. But he he was very much about respect and honor and being nice to everybody and stuff. And I'm just, it, Bar- it was just like it was just like the Mandalorian again was the problem with it. It didn't feel it didn't feel significantly different. Yeah. Yeah. I think the big problem was, was like uh, there was like the brutality and brutality in Book of Buffett that there was in Mandalorian, but he didn't have anything to counter that with. In Mandalorian, you got Grogu to kind of balance the brutality, but he didn't have that in Mandalorian. No, there wasn't. No, it was just. It was just, you know... Again, bump. no levity. Yeah, yeah there's no Paul levity. Ma- Paul McCarthy's book of Boba Fett. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it wasn't... Like, I didn't hear it and stuff, but it was just like... It was like a lot of episodes where he wasn't in it, and it was just like, well, what, what was that? You know, it just, just, you know, very odd, but... Uh... See, I'm, I'm, I'm the Asian... I'm the Asian now I never thought would get any more uh, Star Wars content after Return of the Jedi, so I'm happy to yeah. see anything now, but some of it feels like more of a chore than other things. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think... I mean, I'm, I'm always going to watch it because I am that guy. I, you know, I enjoy Star Wars. I enjoy the stories. I enjoy... I like the setting. There's lots of stories you can tell there, as proven by the uh, Knights of the Old Republic. But there's some I enjoy more than others. I mean, there's The Mandalorian, which is great, and there's the Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, which is fantastic. I really like Rebels, yeah, really like Rebels. Um, then there's you know, Star Wars, the Clone Wars cartoon series, which was, you could easily drop quite a few of those stories mm. and not miss any of them. But no, I'm enjoying Kenobi. I, I, I really am. And, and, and again, uh, Tara gave up on the on the Book of Boba Fett and she's enjoying Kenobi as well. So it's yeah. Nice, nice, and, nice that she's enjoying it as well. I did find the writing of Leia to be 
odd. I mean, Leia's meant to be 10, but the, the, the dialogue for the character, who's played brilliantly by the actress. Who, is, who, fun, is just, who just turned 10. Yeah, who just turned up, which is great. But it's fun, the dialogue, the words she's saying, just feels as if it's a child, someone about five or six. Like, just, that was just my kind of takeaway. And it's like, eh, it does sound like something more like my five-year-old would say rather than my um, 10-year-old. But other than that, I'm fine. And to be fair, we are talking about, you know, an alien uh, galaxy where their, you know, ideas of solar years could be quite different. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, we've been going for an hour in uh, 20 minutes now. Uh, we do a thing now. Um, the guy who uh, we, we stole this from is actually going to be on the podcast next week. Um, but basically... <laughs> inspired we... by, not still inspired <laughs> by. <laughs> inspired by. <laughs> Legally distinct from. <laughs> uh, basically, there was a, like, a wrestling podcast called Straight Shoot, uh, and they did this thing on TikTok where you basically have 60 seconds to guess a character. Now, theirs was a, a guess a wrestler. We're doing it now you pick a franchise uh you pick a sort of nerdy franchise and then you've got 60 seconds to guess a character so oh, i have to guess or you're or i'm picking so one you, 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 i want you to think of one that you you can do for us obviously not too obscure so me and Pete can sort of guess it um but we'll try and give you one uh as well uh so you can try and guess it now i'm going to try and give you one uh now um so it's i'll get, get my phone out uh so it is Judge Dredd uh, is the franchise. Judge Dredd is right. the franchise. Um, so basically, you, you, you've got to ask sort of questions, and then I will say yes, no, or or something like that, and then you've got 60 seconds to sort of guess it. Um, uh, I, I, my Judge Dredd knowledge is middling, so if I get anything <laughs> wrong, my apologies. Uh, but let me just do the stopwatch here. So, uh, Judge Dredd, 60 seconds, go. Is he a bad guy? He or is, is a it bad. a baddie? He is a baddie. Okay, are they male or female? Uh, male. Okay. And, are, are they part of a gang? Um, They are affiliated with uh, with a gang, yes. Uh, have they been in a film? They have not been in either of the films. Okay. Um, are they a dark judge? They are a dark judge. <laughs> That's narrowed it down for you, Pete. Judge Death. <laughs> yes, it is Judge Death with 35 seconds. Very good. There you go. Nicely done. <laughs> I thought you were going to get it straight away. And so he said, is he a bad guy? I was like, oh, no. I have picked one of the biggest bad guys in Judge Dredd. But yeah. But <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Right, Pete, your turn. Okay. Star Wars. Again, Star Wars. Okay. Um, Star Wars, 60 seconds. Go. Um original trilogy? Yes. Um New Hope? No. Um are they alien or human? No. Human. Um are they in Empire Strikes Back? Yes. Are they in Return of the Jedi? Yes. So they're in Empire and Jedi. Are they in any other films bar those two? Yes. Interesting. Um, so, human, uh, are imperial or rebel? Or neither. Or, or yeah, scum, scum and villainy? Scum and villainy. Are they a bounty hunter? Yes. Bosk? 
Nope. IG88? No. Dengar? Nope. Okay, last. Okay, one. We've got one more question each, and then we can get a guess. All right. So let me get this. We've got Empire, Jedi, and other films. Yep. Um, he's human. Yep. Um, he's Bounty Skull. Hunter. Vi- yeah, it's Bounty Hunter. Hunter. Skull and Villa. It's is it Boba Fett? It is indeed Boba Fett. <sighs> That's uh it's like it can't be that easy. It can't be Bob- <laughs> obviously not. I mean you can guess. All right. Boba Fett it is. Right. Mr. Quartz. You're gonna have to I'm gonna have to think of something on the spot now, though, aren't I? Yeah, you're gonna have to think something. <laughs> um if if you can't, we're gonna I'll, I'll do another one uh while while you have a while you have a thought. Let me have a think. Alright. Um I will go for because we we can stick these I realize we didn't do them for uh when we were um UK Games Expo, Pete. We forgot to do them, so I had no oh. con- I had no TikTok content. Uh, I, will- I have one. I have one. Okay. okay. Yeah. I superhero. Okay. Uh, all which right. Franchise. Yeah. Which franchise? Uh, DC. DC. Okay. Okay. Oh. okay. So uh, let me get this started. Then. So DC. Sixty seconds. Go. Um. Good or bad? Good. Do they have a film? Yes. Are they the Justice League? Yes. Oh, uh, the the, the comic, not the film. Oh, Oh, in the comic. But they have, but they have, but they are in the film. They uh, they have been in the film. Yes. Are they good or bad? They are good. Right. Okay. Male or female? Male. Okay. Um. Uh, do they have? Are they? Do, are they? Do they have money, or do they have po- are powers? Uh, powers. Are they human or alien? Human. Okay. Um. Green Lantern. You're absolutely right. Wow! What a guess, <laughs> Pete. <laughs> is I could sit- have been really awful and narrowed it down to a particular <laughs> Green Lantern. Positive Pete's uh, things just his, yeah, uh, whatever <laughs> he's done his camera with his celebrations his camera knocked his camera off. I'm back. <laughs> this is, is his, I was going to say is his suit animated? Uh, okay. Um, right. I'll give you give, give you another one. Um, I'm going to go for okay, Lord of the Rings. Um, and I'm going to go for, um, okay, yeah, Lord of the Rings is your, your it's going to so Lord of the Rings, 60 seconds, go. Books or films? Uh, in both. Um, okay, are they in the actual Lord of the Rings trilogy or in the Hobbit trilogy? They're in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Only the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Um... There's potentially mentioning them in, in in if you're talking if we're go, we'll say films to sort of kind of kind of any sort of ambiguity. So they're in the the Lord of the Rings films. Goody okay. or baddie? Goody. Um. Okay. Elf. No. Human. Yes. Okay. Um. Oh, from Gondor. Nope. From the evil one. <laughs> The, the other one, Peter. The other one. Get out. Get out. I yes. your badging gun. The other one. Which which one, Pete? There's lots of humans. Like, oh, yeah, the other yeah. one. Which one? Go on. 
Begins with an R. Begins with an R. Rohan. Yes. Yes, they Thank are from Rohan, Pete. Rohan. Are they a ranger? They are not a ranger. Right, okay, so your minute's up. You've got one more you've got one more question, and then you can guess. So we've got female, Rohan. Bear in mind there's not very many named characters who are female and from Rohan in the in the, in the films. Ewan. Very right. Yes, it is. Erwin, indeed. Don't knock your camera off again. <laughs> <laughs> Professionalism. Yes, very good. Very good indeed. Okay, brilliant. Okay, Dave, um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, do, yeah, it's been you, a joy, absolutely yeah. joy. Have you got any, uh, anything you want to pimp? You know, your, 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 new, your new book? I can only show you a copy of my new book. Here we are. Please do. So, so this is uh, Contents Man Settle. Which contains it's uh, twenty short stories, which is a compilation of my works from about the past two years. There's about three original pieces to this book as well. So a collection of horror, sci-fi, and poetry. Oh, awesome! And nice. that is available. That is for... available on Amazon. In Amazon. Hardback, paperback, and uh, ebook. Brilliant. Excellent. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And also look at Battlesuit as well. My oh, the, yes. the YouTube film. Yes, uh, I'll, I'll try. And, I'll find uh, a peek. Yeah, actually, you can try and find it as well. Then we get a link and we'll stick it in the uh, we'll stick in the description as well. It's a good fun watch. Just just imagine what it would look like when it was finished. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much. Um, it's been great uh, for me. I've been Matt Geary. With me has been Peter Ray Allison. Good night, everyone. And our guest, David J. Court. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Bye. 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 Bye